I'm going to be sharing verses 1 through 5. And, and I had started all week, I had been, been, been praying and, and, and looking over that, that other verse I had. Uh, the, the key verse in the other passage was going to be pray without ceasing. But as I was studying it and as I was praying, this, uh, this passage of Acts came alive to me. Uh, before we even begin, I'm going to ask everybody to forgive me if I say Paul instead of Peter during this message. Every time I say a P name, I mean Peter. But I got, got my notes together and I printed everything off and I, I noticed this morning everywhere I had Peter, I had Paul written down. So I tried scratching through it and put Peter. So if I say the wrong name, you know who I'm talking about. Title of the message this morning is The Place of Prayer, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. And if you're physically able, out of reverence to God's word, if you'd stand, please. This is a uh, giving an account of something that, that happened in the early church. That early church where even secular historians tell us, turn the world upside down. Beginning in verse 1, Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him and put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Peter was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. May God bless us by the reading and the hearing, but most especially the doing of the word. You may be seated. <clears throat> As you know, we're in, in uh, 40 days of prayer, uh, and I don't think it's any coincidence that this 40 days of prayer is going to be going through uh, October 20th through 23rd, our missions conference in revival. Uh, I didn't think of that when I when I called the church to 40 days of prayer, but God knows what he's doing, and, and I believe this was, was uh, by, divine, by divine call. But, but last week we talked about to be anxious in nothing, uh, but to pray and give thanks. Well, this morning I want to talk about the place of prayer. And to start right off, my, my, my main point, my first point is, is prayer is to be given priority. It seems like so many times in our lives, instead of prayer being the, 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 the first thing we do, prayer is something that we come to at last resort. We try everything in and of our own power. We try everything Dr. Phil wants to say or Oprah wants to say or whoever the leading guru is on TV at the time wants to say. We, we, we go to our friends and our family for advice and get their counsel on what to do when what we should have done in the first place is go to God in prayer. Uh, somebody quoted one time, and I'm sure I'm, 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 I don't have this right. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. But they said, you can do anything once you've prayed, but you can do nothing until you've prayed. You can do anything once you've prayed, but you can do nothing until you've prayed. And so we need to make, make prayer uh, the, the priority, the, the focus of our relationship with, with Jesus. And I want to just give a couple examples here of, of how prayer was given priority. We see it, uh, first of all, in the prayer was the priority of the church. In verse 5, we, we see constant prayer was offered to him, offered to God for him by the church. Then in, in verse 12, it says, So when he had considered this, and I'll tell you what he had considered later on, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many, many were gathered together praying. 
Now, what was going on was Herod was, he had just killed James, and he saw that the people liked it. And Herod, Herod was one of these guys where he was mean, evil, and nasty, but he liked the approval of men. He liked to do whatever he could to, to have the people like him because he knew that, 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 for the most part, the Jews especially hated him. And so he gave up James to be killed. And when he saw that, that the crowds, you know, that the people really liked that, he arrested Peter with his goal being the same thing. He was eventually going, going to kill him. But what does the church do? Peter's arrested. He's thrown in jail. And what does the church do? Well, first of all, we see they didn't get the deacons together. They, they didn't call a special church business meeting. They didn't start cutting back on anything. They didn't say, hey, we need to, maybe we need to send to, to Jerusalem and, and get the guys in Jerusalem uh, to, to send us some information on, on what we should do. Maybe there's a new program or, or, or a new ministry or, or a new method of stewardship we can have. And, and those guys up in Jerusalem know all about it. Let's get some information from them. No, they didn't do any of those things. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that they went to prayer. Somebody they loved, a leader in the church, was, was sent to prison, and the church immediately and instinctively went to prayer. In, in, in football, there's a, there, there's a term, and most of you football fans have probably heard about it, the best defense is a good offense. And that's what they did. In, instead of, instead of rubbing their hands together and wondering what was going to happen next and oh my goodness the sky is falling they went to where they knew the power was they went straight to prayer prayer was not just a priority by the church but but prayer was also a priority of peter's we see in verse six when herod was about to bring him out that night peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door before the door uh, were keeping the prison. What in the world allowed Peter? His life was in danger. They were, Herod was looking to kill him when he had done nothing wrong. Now in the, 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 the natural world, in the flesh, if you're on death row, are you going to get a good night's sleep the night before? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, anybody else would have been up, again, wringing their hands, crying out, have mercy, you know, even crying out to God. But we see Peter slept. Why did Peter sleep? Peter slept because prayer had always been a priority of his. He saw how prayer worked on the day of Pentecost. You know, he saw how prayer worked in, in Acts 4 when he got into, in, into trouble before. He lived his life so that he was in, in a constant state, if you will. Uh, uh, he was in communion with God through his prayer life. And that's what gave him the peace of mind that night to be able to lay his head down on a rock or a pillow or whatever it was and, get a, and, and, and go to sleep. He knew and he trusted because of the fact that he made priority of prayer. He had communion with God, constant communion with God. He knew God was going to take care of him. And guys, one of the things we need to see, we need to emphasize when we're talking about prayer, is prayer is, is not always us telling God what's going on and what we want. So many times prayer is us just being silent before God and allowing God to speak to us. So many times we treat God like he's, like he's Santa Claus and we crawl up on his lap and we have our wish list of, God, I need you to do this and I need you to do that and I need you to do the other. 
and we never take time to say, Lord, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to stand here. I'm just going to kneel here, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to speak to me. And it's in those still, quiet times that God speaks to us. Does he speak to us audibly so you can hear like you hear me? No. But he speaks to our spirit. He, he, he gives us, he, he you know, gives us remembrance of the scriptures. You know, that's why it's so important to know the scripture. The Bible says, uh, I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we have times of, of trial and trouble and testings and tribulations, we need to be able to cling to those Bible verses. And God gives those to us in those still small voices when we take time to, to, to be quiet and, and still before him and, and, then, and then listen. But prayer has to be given priority in our lives. It was a priority of the early church. It was a priority for individuals. We see that with Peter. But the question is this morning, does prayer have priority in our lives? And I'm not just talking, yeah, pastor, prayer is a priority in my life when things aren't going well. You know, I had to go bail my, 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 my oldest out of jail. Prayer's a priority for me. Or my, 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 my husband looks like he's going to lose his job here in a few weeks. Priorities are, uh, prayer's a priority now. Or I might get transferred or, or my, my spouse is cheating on me, I think. And yeah, prayer's a priority now. It's not just to be a priority when, when things are tough. It's supposed to be a priority, period. Prayer should be the, 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 the first thing we go to, and we should, be, we should be in an attitude of prayer at all times. And you might think, well, well, what is that? What is an attitude of prayer? Prayer is just living your life so that you're constantly in, in contact with God. God doesn't expect us to be on our knees or, or standing and raising our hands and praying, you know, praying, praying all the time. But we can have an attitude of prayer as we go about our daily lives. Lifting things up to God, asking God to, to take care of needs, asking God to take care of other people, asking God to, to, to bless other people. There's an old story one time, I, I probably told it here, there's an old story about some professors in a seminary, and they were, they were talking about the passage I was originally going to use is, that, that says, pray without ceasing. And here are these guys with more letters than they're on the alphabet at the end of their names, they were debating, well... How can you pray without ceasing? It's just impossible. And there was this old cleaning lady that was in the, in the conference room cleaning up while they, were, while they were debating it. And the old lady says, Sir, do you mind if I say anything? If I say something? And they're like, well, what in the world can she tell us? But, but yeah. And she said, I think I know how you can have an attitude of prayer and how to pray without ceasing. <laughs> well, really, why don't you just tell me how you can, how you can do it? She says, well, you know what? When I wake up in the morning, I thank God that he's given me another day. As I feel the covers on my blanket, I thank God that he's, that he's given me a warm bed to sleep in and that he's given me a roof over my head. I, I, I put my feet on the ground, and, and again, I thank God that he's given me two good legs to walk on uh, and a home that I can, that I can be sheltered from, from the, the storms. She said, I go into my, my bathroom and, and I, I turn the water on. I thank God for, for, for good, clean, cold water when I need it and hot water when I need it. I, I wash my face and I look in the mirror and I thank God that he gave me my, my eyes so that I could see, you know, what, what, so that he's given me the ability to see. And she said, my whole day, I just go through it like that. 
And, and, and of course, these theologians, these seminary professors were dumbfounded because they never, they never thought of that. And, and that's what it means to have an attitude of prayer. We, we can't be 24-7 on our knees, you know. We get fired from our jobs, you know, or, or it, it's just not feasible. But we can have an attitude of prayer all day long, wherever, wherever we go. My friend Jim Wilson, the evangelist who's been here before, his, his dad, T.W. Wilson, every time he prayed, or he'd pray out loud, or, or when he'd pray, he would start his prayer, and our Father. It wasn't, Lord, I come to you, or, or this, that, or the other, but he always started his prayer, and my Father, or, or and our Father. And somebody asked him one time, why he did that and he says I try to stay in a constant state of prayer with God and, 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 and when, I, when I go to do it I'm just picking up where I left off so, so we need to have a prayer needs to be a priority and, and, and to make it a priority we need to have an attitude of prayer we just don't need to uh, it's not just cutting time out which we should be doing but it's having that attitude all day long of being in prayer, being in communion with God. Because guys, whether we realize it or not, and this might be a wake-up call for some of us, I know it shakes me every once in a while, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're in God's presence. Because God in the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. So we can be in constant communion with Him. We can have a, have a, make prayer a priority and, and make prayer and be in an attitude of prayer at all times during our day. So they had an, you need to have an attitude of prayer. And you know what? I believe sometimes it's not having that attitude of prayer or not making prayer a priority that hinders so many of us in our Christian walk. There are some of us today that are probably, even though there, there aren't bars and chains in front of us, there are probably folks today that because prayer maybe wasn't a priority in their lives or in a prison, just as Paul, as, I knew I was going to do it, just as Peter was. Some of us might be in a spiritual prison uh, or, or, or a, spirit, a, a place of spiritual suffering because we quit praying because we figured God wasn't going to answer the prayer. And if that's you today, I'll, I'll tell you as your pastor, I've been there. Lord, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, and it seems like you're not moving, it seems like you're not answering. Lord, Lord, I, I give up. But you know what? That puts us into a prison. Because we've cut ourselves off with the only one that can help take care of whatever we're going through. Others might be in an, in, in, in an emotional prison. You, you, you've been rejected, abused, made fun of, and, and, and instead, of going to the, instead of going to the comforter, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Instead of going to the comforter and trusting the comforter in prayer to take care of your needs, you've, you've, you've kind of locked yourself out and locked yourself up, and you, and you dwell on, on the bad stuff. For others, it might be a, a prison, if you will, of confusion and, and anxiety. Maybe you lost your job for no good reason. I saw on the news the other day a, a man that was two weeks away from retirement and he got, he, he, he got fired because of the economy. Maybe it's confusion and anxiety because you've lost your job or, or maybe it's because as much as, you, as you've tried to make your home a haven, a, a place of peace and, and a place of rest, it, it, it just isn't happening. 
There's nothing but turmoil and anger and fighting there. And again, you've shut yourself up. You've locked yourself up because you're not making prayer a priority. And, and guys, what I'm, what I'm saying here, I don't mean prayer is, going to, is, is the only thing. Prayer is the needful thing, but as we pray, God reveals things to us and God gets the wheels working to bring you the help in your life that you need. You hear me saying so many times that, that God still is in the miracle working business, but lots of times he works the miracles out with, with people in our lives. Jesus is alive and well working in the world today, but sometimes he chooses to work through brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so as we pray, as we make our needs known to God, and it's not that God doesn't know them because he already does, but sometimes it's God wanting us to come to him and saying, Lord, here it is. I can't deal with it anymore on my own. You've got to take it because I can't. For still others, you may have locked yourself up uh, in, in a prison uh, with, because you haven't made prayer a priority, because you, you're not praying because you don't feel worthy of, of, of God's love. You don't feel worthy of God's forgiveness, even as a Christian. You may be thinking, man, I've been struggling with this sin since I became a Christian. There's no way God can really love me. There's no way God could, could, could forgive me because I keep finding myself falling right back into the same thing. And, and so you don't feel worthy of God's love or forgiveness. Or maybe you feel that, that you've, 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 you've heard me say before, you've done that same sin for so long, for so far, and you've done so bad that there's no way God can either, either forgive you or at the very least there's no way God could ever use you. But folks, prayer needs to be the priority in our lives because if we come to God with an open heart, and what I mean by an open heart is, is we come to God saying, Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me. Lord, put somebody in my life that, 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 that you want to use to help me. God answers those prayers. It's just a matter of us being, being faithful and making prayer a priority. Will, will God answer the prayers by just us praying? Absolutely. We just need to remember that, that sometimes God's answer is no. Sometimes God's answer is not right now. Greg Loria, a uh, pastor out on the West Coast, he preaches at one of the Calvary Chapel uh, churches. He said he looks at prayer like a traffic light. Green means go, yellow means slow, and red means no. Sometimes when we pray, God will give us the green light, and, and it's a go right from the start. Other times it's slow. God's going to answer the prayer, and, and He's probably even going to answer the prayer the way you want Him to, but He's working things out. Maybe there's things He's working out in another place, or there's things He's working out in your life to, to make you uh, able to accept God's answer, to deal with God's answer. And then there are other times that as much as we want something, sometimes God's answer is no. We read the account of, or you read the account of Paul where it says Paul, Paul had a thorn in his side and he prayed three times for God to take the thorn away. And guys, you hear me say this all the time when I mention this passage. It wasn't just three little times, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. This was three intense periods of prayer. But God told him no. Why did God tell him no? Because He told, he told Paul, 
He said, my strength is manifested in your weakness. So if God says no to something, it, it, it might not necessarily be that, that, if you will, he doesn't want you to do it, but he wants you to, to rely on him. I'm, I'm not going to do this because I want you to rely on me. I'm not going to do this because I want you to trust completely in me. But it needs to be a priority for our lives for us to, to, to hear those things when God speaks to us. So when prayer, prayer needs to be given a priority. Secondly, when prayer is a priority, God's glorified. We see that, first of all, by the answered prayer itself. In verses 6 through 10, talk about how Peter was asleep and an angel came and kind of chucked him on the shoulder and said, hey, wake up. And he woke up and the chains fell off and he got to the front of the prison and the gate unlocked on its own and Peter walked out of there. God was glorified in, the, in that answered prayer itself. There's no other way to explain how Paul got out. He didn't have a hacksaw. He didn't, wasn't able to, 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 to drug the guards to put him to sleep. He was in chains between two guards. But the Bible tells us that it was an angel that came and got him out of there. When prayers are priority, God's glorified by the answer itself. Secondly, it's glorified by the evidence of answered prayer. And I'm going to go back to Peter again. The church saw Peter. That was evidence to them that God had answered their prayer. A live, breathing Peter was the evidence to the church that God had answered their prayer. See, because Peter didn't, didn't, have to go, didn't have to go to where the brethren were. He could, have got, he could have escaped from jail and taken off, and, and it would have been some time probably before they knew that Peter, was, Peter had escaped. But we see the evidence in it in the fact that Peter presented himself before the folks that were praying for him. So prayer, when prayers are priority, God's glorified by the answer itself, by the evidence, and by the testifying of the answered prayer. In verse 17, this is Peter it says, but motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell all these things to James and to the brethren. God answered the prayer. Peter went to the church. Peter went to the brothers and sisters. And he immediately told them, go tell James. Go tell the others what God has done. And folks, that when prayer's a priority, Prayers are answered and God's glorified. We can't help but testifying about what God's done. And we've had some amazing testimonies here at our church the last, the, the last three or four weeks. And, and it's my prayer that when this 40 days of prayer is over with, that, that we're going to have a bunch more testimonies of people giving evidence of what God has done in and through their lives because we're making prayer a priority for these 40 days. Then lastly, some of us might think, well, you know what, I'm, <laughs> Pastor, you're talking about that person that keeps falling into sin or been doing it for so long and I just can't break it, you know, I, th that, that's me. But I want us to see this this morning in my last point, even, as pr even if prayer is imperfect or faith is lacking, God meets needs. Even if prayer is imperfect or faith is lacking, God meets needs. First of all, just from this account, what do we see when, when, when Peter got out of jail? 
He, uh, where am I? Verse 12, verse 13, and verse 14 talks about Peter going and knocking on the door, and it says, it says Rhoda, not the lady that had the, uh, the, the comedy show back when we were younger, but, but Rhoda, who was, who was one of the believers, she heard Peter's voice, but she didn't open the door, and she went back to tell everybody about it. And then after that happened, they had to come back to the door, and they had to open the door. Do you know why they had to open the door? The door was locked. Peter would have walked right in if that door hadn't have been locked. So they're praying, but if you will, either they didn't think Peter would be coming back anytime soon, or maybe they were in fear that Herod's people would come and arrest them too. So they had the doors locked. But they were still praying. The point is, they were lacking a bit in faith that God would provide a way for, for Peter uh, to get out and keep, the, and keep the church safe, but they were still praying. The church and Peter were human, just like we are. The church then was filled with imperfect people, people sometimes lacking in their faith, just like the church is today. But when we come to the throne of grace with, with clean hearts and with requests uh, that are in accordance with God's will, He will still meet our need. Even if we're lacking in faith. In, in Mark chapter 9, story is told of, of a, a man whose son was, was possessed by a demon and it caused him to be mute. He couldn't speak. And it also caused him to throw himself down into the fire sometimes. And... and Jesus came to the man, or the man came to Jesus with his son and wanted him to heal him. And, and, and Jesus told the man, he says, if you have the faith, your son can be healed. And the man responded to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What he was saying is, he says, Lord, I believe, I, I believe a bit or I believe a lot, but, but some of the, I, I want to believe this, but it's, it's kind of... It's stretching to the point that is beyond my capability. It's stretching to the point that is beyond my imagination because I don't see how, how it can really happen. So give me the faith that I need to trust that what you're telling me you're going to do, you're going to do. And folks, God's like that with us today. There's nothing wrong with coming to Him and saying, Lord, I, I, I've got faith, but, but I don't know if... <laughs> I've never seen you work this way before. I don't know. You know, I want to trust you. He just wants us to be honest with Him because you know what? He knows anyway. It's not like we could hide the fact from Him that, hey, I don't have enough faith to, to believe in this. But when we come to him and say, Lord, I believe, but I want to believe, I want to believe in something that's God-sized. And see, I think that's the, the problem with the church today. We say we have faith, we say we believe, but yet our faith so many times is based in what we've already seen, what we've already done, what we've already heard, what we've already experienced. And so we base every trial or tribulation or testing on, well, what did God do in the past? You know what? He's not a God of the past. He's a God of the now and He's a God of the future. 
And we need to be willing to step out and say, God, I've never seen you. Our church, God, I, I've never, we've never seen you. We've never seen you work in a way, in the way we think you may want to work right now. And Lord, I'm kind of scared. Not me, although I am, you know, because this is a new area for me too. But this is just us praying, telling, Lord, Lord I want to believe, but I've, I've, you've, I've, never, I've never experienced anything like this as a Christian. Our church has never, has never had to deal with anything like this before in the history of our church. And, 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 and yeah, we, we, we read stories and we hear testimonies about God doing supernatural things in other people's lives and supernatural things in other churches' lives. And, 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 and we want to believe that, but it's, but it's just so tough because we've never experienced before. God, give us the faith to believe. Give us the faith to stay on our knees. Give us the faith to commit to praying for 40 days and asking God to speak to our hearts and talk to our hearts and draw us closer to Him and to believe that all things are possible through prayer. That's what God is asking us to do right now. Even though we're imperfect, even though we're sin-prone, even though we can be lacking in faith, God's wanting us to step out. It, you know, Jesus said, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to cast itself into the sea, and it'll do it. Now, though their faith wasn't perfect, the best they could, they prayed and trusted God. And that's what we need to do as individuals and as a church, not just in this season we're going through right now, but, but in every season. Though their faith wasn't perfect, the best they could, they prayed and trusted God. They did not know for sure what God could do for Peter. I'm sorry, they didn't know for sure what God would do for Peter, but they knew what God could do for Peter. That's why prayer is a priority. That's why they continued to pray until God answered the prayer. Lord, we don't know what you're going to do for him, but Lord, we know what you can do for him. How about us this morning? <clears throat> Where does prayer rate in our lives? If it's not a priority in our life, our lives, we, we, now's a great time to make it one. I don't know what God's going to do during these 40 days of prayer or after these 40 days of prayer, but I know what He can do. And what He can do is far above and beyond anything that I could ever imagine. We've got a tremendous opportunity to see God work in great and mighty ways as we commit our lives to making prayer a priority, not just this 40 days, but from here on out. And if we make, a, make prayer a priority, not just for ourselves individually, but, a, but a, as a church family, the sky's the limit. God can do great and mighty things to us. I believe God wants to do great and mighty things through us. But it's a matter of us being faithful. And, and, and even if there's a little bit of doubt, Lord, I'd, Lord, Lord, there's doubt in my heart. Take it away. I believe. Help my unbelief. And, and we continue on. We continue on in prayer. We continue on in, in, in asking God to conform us more to the image of Jesus Christ today than we were yesterday. And tomorrow, if he gives us tomorrow. And as we conform more to the image of Jesus, as we get more in touch with God, as we draw closer to God, I believe God's going to do some great and wondrous things 
in and through this church and in and through the people of this church? Is prayer a priority in your life this morning? That's the question. I would be remiss, I realize it's 5 after 12, but I would be remiss as the pastor, and we're dedicating this to 40, 40 days of prayer, if we didn't take some time right here and right now to pray. And uh, what I would like to do, I know I'm, I'm, I'm putting people on the spot again like I did last week, but uh, I'm going to ask Brother Willie, if you wouldn't mind, if you would take some time uh, and pray, and, and Brother Everett also, if you wouldn't mind, and take some time and, and, and pray when you guys get done. We'll close the service. <clears throat>